Hello and welcome to the Blossom Your Awesome Podcast, episode number 13. Today on the show, we have got famed musician Kevin Roth. Kevin was given a very scary medical diagnosis and he transformed his life as a result of that. He calls it his epiphany wake-up call. He changed his life from living in fear, stress, and depression to one of clarity, success, and optimum health. He is now teaching people this work and how to show up powerfully in the face of adversity and anything that life may throw at you. I can't wait to hear your remarkable story of transformation, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. I am so delighted to hear your story and have you here to share your insights with us. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Oh, you're welcome. I am so excited. Your story, I'm just so inspired by your story and your courage and how you've kind of overcome this and um, how you're teaching people through your adversity. So can we kind of start, can you give us a little bit of your background? Well, my background is as a musician, um, I've made a lot of uh, dulcimer, which is the instrument that I'm known for, made a lot of dulcimer music and children's music. And I sang the theme to the hit PBS show, Shining Time Station. So I have about 48, 49 albums. You know, they're all on iTunes and things like that. So I've been at the music business for quite a long time. And I always assumed that fame and fortune would bring happiness. Uh, It doesn't (laughs) necessarily. Um, And then I thought maybe falling in love would do that. And that, again, didn't quite do that. But the story really took a a real change in 2013. Um, I had a really kind of rough year in the sense that my nine-year relationship ended and uh, my father, who I was very close to, uh, died when he was 90. Uh, But it was kind of sudden. And then a small little retail business I had on the side kind of went under. So I was living in Florida at the time and I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll just go to Kansas, where my sister lives, and hang out there for a while and figure out what I want to do next. And I got there, and I wasn't there more than two months, and just out of the blue, on a random dermatology appointment, uh, he said, the doctor said, I don't like this little freckle on your nose. And to make a long story short, it ended up turning into stage three melanoma. Um, There's only four stages. And even though they removed the two little spots where the melanoma was, I was told that it would return within a year. There was a 70% chance it would return within a year. And then I would be dead within two or three. And there were no options. Now, I didn't believe it, but I figured, well, if that's what they're telling me, (laughs) you know, they're the doctors you think they'd know. But I had an epiphany and the epiphany was, you know what, if I only have a couple of years left and I felt fine, you know, I didn't feel physically ill. I didn't have to do any chemotherapy or anything. It was sort of, they removed the spots and they did all the body scans and found out that it hadn't spread anywhere, thankfully. But I thought, you know, this isn't any way to live my life. So I'm going to live like 
the bohemian hippie that I always wanted to be. <laughs> and I decided to move to San Diego, California with my dog Bosco and all my dulcimers and create a life that I really liked. And I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have a lot of money to do it, but that wasn't going to stop me. So I decided that what I really needed to figure out was what really mattered to me, why it mattered to me, and then get a game plan. And that's exactly what I did. And I came to San Diego and I wrote a new album, which was the first album in five years called The Deviant Dulcimers. And I got it entered, um, thrown in the ring for a Grammy. It, it didn't place or win, but it got thrown in. And it was a, it's a real joyous, fun record. And then a friend of mine, said to me, uh, you know, what do you plan to do next? And I said, I'm not quite sure. And he said, well, why don't you teach people what you did to completely change your life and go from surviving to thriving? Mm. And I thought that was kind of interesting, but I didn't know how, I never thought of myself as a teacher in that way. So I thought, well, what did I do? And I realized that every morning I get up and I make uh, some really great coffee because I'm a coffee nut. And uh, I play the dulcimer in a very meditative style, which I've coined dulcy meditation. And I thought, well, maybe I could teach that. And then there was certainly a way that I look at life philosophy-wise. I got rid of stress. I, over a period of time, Time lost 30 pounds because stress and inflammation are one of the leading causes of illness, including cancer. But stress is a real big one. So I thought, well, I'm not doing stress anymore. And I caught a lot of negative people. And I stopped listening to, quote, the odds and created my own odds. And then I mentioned it to some people on Facebook. And they said, yeah, we'd, we'd love to learn how to get rid of stress and um, one of my clients or students ended up being uh, sort of a cancer victim and didn't want to be one anymore. And another person came to me with uh, a problem. He was working with the government and he was stressed out. So I began to teach it. And much to my surprise and delight, uh, these people really changed. I mean, really quickly, like within a month. And they've been with me as students ever since you know it's been over a year that i've been doing this and then i created an online course my first one uh which i put up on teachable so it's kevinroth.teachable.com about creating a life you love and how to do it and the steps and it's it, there are eight video modules and a little bit of homework and now i'm developing an, another one on habits but that's the long and short of it i'm living in San Diego, and I got completely out of debt, and I started to make and save money. And um, I just teach this to people all over the place, all over the world. Apparently, people are taking the course. Wow, that is awesome. So now, you know, you said something really prolific here, right at the top, when you got this diagnosis, you said, I didn't believe it. Where does that, that's so powerful and it just speaks volumes, I think, to your recovery. Where does that come from? It comes from, and, and I also teach this to people. I trust my gut. 
and my gut didn't tell me that I was going to be dead anytime soon. I'm not afraid of death because I don't really actually believe that what we think of as death and you're done is, is real. Uh, and I also teach that philosophy as well. <laughs> but I just didn't think that they were right. And I also can be fairly clairvoyant. And I had had a vision in Florida that said that I should go to Kansas and it would be a respite to get my life together and that there would be an illness and it would be a major one, but I'd be all right. So, you know, I write these things down and I never know whether they're going to come true or not, but everything put together told me that uh, this wasn't going to happen. Now, what's interesting is I called somebody who had had cancer because, you know, I, I, I mean, I didn't smoke. I worked out. I mean, the idea of me getting cancer was like, what? You know, it's like, where'd that come from? Uh, but the truth is one out of every two people get cancer. And the first thing she said to me, she gave me advice and she said, trust your gut. So um, I went through a couple oncologists until I found one that I really trusted. And he was the only one that didn't want to do chemo or give me any of these uh, infusions and said, let's just wait and see what happens. So I trusted my gut and my gut said, go to California. You're going to have a great life. And interestingly enough, I did get a kind of a vibe that I'd be teaching something along the lines of business and spirituality combined. Uh, but, I, you know, I've always seen my life like that. I, you know, I'm, I made a living as a dulcimer player. There aren't a lot of people that do that. It's just I get this feeling, which is really what I would describe to your listeners as your purpose-driven life. Mm -hmm. It's what it's who you are. And it's important to find that because you can create a, a living and a life around that. So that was really my process. And, that, and that's what I do every day. Wow, that is beautiful. Now tell me, you know, speak to us a little bit about that, that purpose-driven life. I know this is what you do and you're so passionate about it and, you know, doing remarkably well and working with people all over. For someone who's just kind of lost, where do you kind of start to tap into, you know, finding that or what your purpose is? Well, the first thing is don't feel alone because most people are lost and most people are very, very hard on themselves. So, you know, I tell people for me, it was nothing like a death sentence to wake me up. I stopped the guilt trip. I stopped uh, all the bullshit I did on myself. And I said, I don't have any time for that negativity or nonsense anymore. So I was always lucky that I had a passion with music. But for someone who feels stuck and doesn't know really where to begin, uh, the first thing to do is to be very kind to yourself. The second thing to do is, and I teach this in the course, it's actually a step-by-step -step process of exactly what to do uh, on the course on Teachable. But you, you make a list of everything that matters to you. And you narrow that down to, you know, three or four of the top things that matter to you. And then you figure out why they matter to you because without the why, you're not gonna last. Uh, so let's take weight loss. It's a big problem for a lot of people. You know, there may be a reason 
to lose weight. Like you want to look better, you know, you, you've had some COVID fat and, you know, you've tried diets, fallen off them, you've done it again, I'll start again on Monday. That's not enough of a reason to lose weight because if it was, we would have all lost weight. But if you walk into a doctor's office, uh, you know, there's a story of a guy who had a heart attack out of the blue, he was overweight. And the doctor said to him, um, after he uh, fixed his heart, said, you know, you, you were actually dead for a little while. And uh, if you don't change the way you, you look at your life and your diet and your health, I don't know that we're gonna be able to patch this up again. So he had two small daughters and the thought of his daughters not having a father or his wife not having a husband was enough to immediately get on a weight loss program with a nutritionist and joined a gym. And he lost like 170 pounds. So you, you need that why, you know, why do you want it? What, you know, what is it about what you want to do that is so wonderful and important? Because, you know, I teach in the course, something called riding the surfboard. Life is up and down, you know, life is the ocean. And sometimes you're going to get thrown off your surfboard. So the way to know to get back on is by revisiting daily what matters to you. And also the other advice they would say is to learn what I call mindful awareness. And, and this is one of the very early things that I teach to people. You need to be mindful and aware of how you're feeling. So I'll tell you a, a funny kind of little story. I was talking to a friend of mine last week about some investment things. And he started a rant uh, disagreeing with me on certain numbers and certain things. And I was listening to him. I found my blood pressure kind of rising <laughs> a little bit, which is unusual for me. But I thought to myself as he was yakking away that you don't need to ask him that. You need to ask your accountant that question that I was asking. So don't ever bring that up to him again. So why did you bring that up to him? And I thought, well, I was looking for someone to say, sounds smart. I was looking for approval, which we all look for, and it's normal, and it's human. But man, the, the crap I had to go through, it was like three minutes of this stuff. <laughs> so, you know, the question is, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? So I just said, okay, sounds like you, sounds good, Steve. <laughs> but I'll never do that again. Most people or the old Kevin would have argued with him. And, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't go there anymore because it doesn't feel good. I'm mindful and I'm aware that it makes me feel lousy. So I recognize it and I say, okay, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Right. So you, you become attuned to what works for you and what doesn't. And it's good to take a minute or two every once in a while. If you, of course, if you play a musical instrument, you can, you can do dulcet meditation. But if not, there's a breathing exercise that I teach uh, on the program, which immediately lowers your stress. And it's a really simple thing of breathing in and uh, for like three or four you know, beats and then holding it for three or four beats and releasing it for three or four beats. So there's lots of different things you can do. But the first thing you need to do is to recognize whatever it is is working for me 
or whatever it is, isn't working for me and I'm going to change it. Right. Wow. Now, you know, you put it, you make it sound so simple. (laughs) Well, you know, I'll tell you, people say to me, well, I want to change, but it's really hard and they're wrong. And here's why. Staying in a place that isn't good and doesn't feel good is harder Mm. than changing. Mm -hmm. The hard part about the change is knowing what to change to. That's, that's the trick uh, is getting clarity. Um, That that's why I love this, the uh, being, I don't like the term life coach, but I guess that's what I am. That's what I love about working with my clients is I can see them on zoom. I can see their face change when they're asked a bunch of questions and they reach their own clarity. It's like this, aha. Oh yeah. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't have talked to my wife about that again for the 15th. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So now Kevin, you know, I swear I'm not a sexist. But I have to ask, because you mentioned being clairvoyant mm-hmm. and, um, you know, a lot of men I find struggle with learning how to kind of tap in to that intuitive part of themselves. Like it, it seems that it doesn't come as easy or they don't acknowledge it in the way uh, women do, right? Women struggle with it too, but it seems like men are more kind of removed from that idea. So can you kind of talk to, do you agree with that or? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think that men are raised uh, to not really feel that way. Um, I'm blessed because I'm an artist and I just came out of my mom's womb feeling like that. <laughs> um, but Everyone has a certain amount of clairvoyant uh, ability. Um, So, you know, I think the first place, whether you're a man or a woman, you need to start to allow that and to develop that is by sitting with yourself and being silent and listening. Because there's two voices going on. There's the, the, the outer voice where we're talking all the time. And there's the inner voice, which will speak to us if we listen, you know? Um, so if you're a sensitive man, of course, that's, it's, it's easier to feel like that. You know, it's not hard for men to feel. It's, it's the feedback, okay? It, it's the, the person thinking that they're going to be judged or the person thinking that, you know, they're going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when you're in like or in love with yourself, it doesn't, who cares who, re- who rejects you? You don't reject yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to be in a relationship collectively that works, I think it needs to be individually done, you know, put together first. You know, I always tell people, I, you know, I have a hot date tonight. And they say, oh, yeah, who, you know, who? And I say, me, I'm listening to some <laughs> jazz tonight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know exactly what I like. Um, oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's why I have a dog, you know. My sister says, I'll never meet anybody 
uh, if I keep hanging out with my dog Bosco and I said, I can't seem to meet anyone as nice as Bosco. <laughs> oh, and, and, and he's in that course too. I, I gave him a little cameo at the end of the, <laughs> the module. How cute. Now tell me, you know, I think so much of it, you have this kind of exude this sense of peace. And I know obviously, you know, you're, you're practicing mindfulness and you're teaching, you know, presence and awareness and all of this, how much of this kind of deeper part of you comes from you being an artist and music? I think a lot of it, and I was also born with a real spiritual interest. So, you know, lots of different people believe in lots of different things. But if you look at faith, whether you want to call it God or Jesus or Buddha, um, it, you know, it, there's there are a lot of conferences now where spiritual, sensitive people get together with scientists mm-hmm. and scientists will tell you things like the universe is expanding, but we don't know what it's expanding into. Or if I were to ask you where your mind is, you might say, well, I don't know. It's in my brain somewhere, but if you cut your brain open, you'll never find a mind. You can't hold it. So what is it? Right? So the whole thing comes down to something called consciousness. And nobody knows what consciousness is because the truth is that consciousness has no form. It, it exists and it doesn't exist. And that's a, that's a different conversation. But knowing that and knowing that quantum physics agrees. So if you, you know, if you're a Buddhist or you're a monk or whatever you are, and you're reading wisdom from sages long, long ago, it's now being backed up by science. So if, if the mind doesn't exist, and this is really much like a dream, why would you really give a whole hoot about anything for very long? It all comes and it goes. You know, there are a lot of people who are very COVID-weary now, you know? I have a friend, he's, oh, God, COVID. And I said, you're living in last year. And he said, yeah, but, you know, there's the variant. I said, do you have COVID? And he said, no. I said, so keep chasing after that thought, buddy, and you're going to get it. You know, you don't have it. So stop thinking, you know, you've got your shots, you're getting your booster, but people don't like to live in now because we like drama. Mm. The reason we like drama is because we're searching in ourselves for that connection to ourselves, our connection that makes us feel whole. Mm -hmm. So I found that through a death sentence and that's what I teach people but certainly you don't need one (laughs) to get there, you know? Right. Now, you know, I totally hear you here with people liking drama and kind of not wanting to own their own stuff or I can't change or it's too hard and all of that. How do we get past that? You know, that's just seems like it's just kind of built into the psyche of society. So how, for someone who's stuck, give me some guidance on how to transcend that, those thoughts. Okay. So you can have the greatest intention and you can have the greatest plan, 
but unless you put it into action, it's not going to do anything for you. So you need to decide. One of the things I teach is when you replace what doesn't work in your life with what does, you never go back. You don't go back to what doesn't work. Why would you hang around someone you don't like when you can hang around someone you do like? Uh, change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So the first thing you need to do is to decide, am I ready to change? Do I feel stuck? I, I may want to start a new business. I'm not quite sure what to do. I don't know how to do it. I need some direction. Then you find someone who can help you or you come to someone like myself, who's a life coach and trained to, to show you how to create a life you love. But the first thing is you need to decide to change. And you need to recognize that if you're really unhappy, which a lot of people are now, it's okay. There's a lot to be unhappy about. There's COVID, there's this war, there's this, there's that. But there's always that kind of stuff. So you have to create your own reality in your head. And you have to say, you know what? Been nice, but I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not staying in this play. This is a, a, a play I don't really want to, I'm not enjoying. I think I'm going to go find a different theater. I'm going to change the channel. So you make the decision and you go, or you take, or you take a course like mine, uh, individual, and you work through it. But it, it's better to work with a, a coach because then you're held responsible. And you, 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 know, you get stuck. And that, that's, why, uh, that's why I do what I do. Um, but that's the best advice I have. You know, talking about it doesn't, isn't going to help you. How long have you talked about losing weight? How many diets have you been on? You need to find out why it's not working. You need to know why you keep eating that pizza and beer every Friday night and saying, I'm going to restart on Monday. You need to know psychologically and emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually why that's happening. And then you just tune it. You just tune it up. Mm, I like that. Like, just like an instrument, huh? Yep. Yep. Because, you know, we go out of tune. We're human. So we just need to, you, you need to work your, your program um, and you need to, you know, I, I teach certain techniques that people can use during the day. So if you're feeling down or negative or stressed or stuck, my client, my students and clients know exactly what to do to correct that, like, like really quick. But it takes them a little while to even know that they're a little aggravated. You know, I have a, a this is kind of funny. I have a, a client uh, who's a supervisor and he has a lot of people yelling and screaming at him so he, he cut i told him to cut out a picture of a pigeon taking a crap and <laughs> and he did and he he has it on top of his computer so you know i said to him the week after he did i said so when you got all those calls did that help and he said oh yeah yeah he said, i was laughing throughout it you know? so there's little tiny things you can do <laughs> um now you know one of your things something um you talk about sensitivity and sensitivity in men and mm -hmm. um, you know, why is that more important now than ever? And why is just, why is that important and necessary in general? Well, I think that especially now COVID has made us relook at our lives. Okay. So we're already in tune to how fragile 
life can be. The more that you're in tune with who you are and what makes you tick and what you want, and the more you give yourself permission to be a little disturbed with yourself is fine, but to give yourself permission like, okay, I don't need to stay here, you build up the sensitivity. Um, it's about being kind. You know, guys can be tough, they can be rough, but they don't need to be unkind. You know, uh, I know a very, very, very sensitive bodybuilder. You know, you look at him and you wouldn't think, you know, that, you know, but he's the sweetest guy in the world. He's like that because he's had a lot of pain. He's had a lot of hurt in his emotional life. So he's been forced into it. But sensitivity is great. You know, I mean, feeling compassion and empathy for yourself feels great. You know, uh, and again, when you figure that out, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Besides, I mean, women, you know, women love men who are sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, even in, in, the, in, in the gay world, I mean, everybody likes anybody who's sensitive, but everyone's very protective because they don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be rejected, but they're giving their power to other people and they don't need to. If they keep their power and they know where they want to go in a good place, there is no rejection. It's just like difference of opinion, you know, right. um, and, th and that's it. You know, I think maybe 10 years ago, if I asked someone out on a date and they said, no, you're, let's just say you're, you're too old, I would be offended. Right. But mm -hmm. now they say that to me, I'm thinking, well, gee, all right, thanks. They saved me a whole bunch of time because, you know, because, <laughs> you know, so it's the way you look at things and, and recognize that sensitivity is a strength. Right. It's not a weakness. Right. Yeah. And now tell me, talk to me about being kind to yourself and why that's so important. Why are we missing this? Like, why don't people get this? Well, I'll tell you an interesting story. The reason that I had such a, a really uh, successful music career was because I'm very, very driven. But even when I got a major label, even when I became rich and famous, it wasn't enough. You know, it's like, okay, what's next? And then I got hit with this cancer thing. And I was on, I hung up the phone after I got the call from the doctor and said, I've got bad news. And I said out loud in my apartment, it was just me and my dog. I said, don't worry, buddy, we'll get through this. And at first I didn't know who I was talking to. And then I realized that there was an, that there was a, an inner me. We all have these inner people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when I made a phone call to a nurse uh, setting up some sort of a treatment, as she went on and on about setting up the appointment and the insurance, I just blurted out to this complete stranger, you know, I don't feel good about doing this. And she said, Kevin, if you don't feel good about doing it, don't do it. And I didn't. And I hung up the phone and I thought, here's a complete stranger showing more empathy and compassion to me than I'm allowing myself to feel myself. Mm. And that's when it stopped. I thought, you know what? Nobody loves me more than me. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean, it was up to me 
to decide not to follow Western medicine and, and to take an alternative route. It was up to me to find an apartment in San Diego. It's up to me to dictate how my life is going to go to the best of my ability and, and keep that clarity and that momentum going. And that's habit. That's doing it all the time and it becomes a habit. Yeah, that is, I mean, Kevin, it just seems like you are kind of, you're on this deeper level, right? You're being intuitively guided. You're tapping into that in ways. Have you always just felt, I know you said you were born spiritual, but have you always from a young age, as far as you can remember, allowed to tr- yourself to just listen and trust yourself? Well, I have because uh, I never, I always felt like a fish out of water. I never thought this earth was real. It just didn't seem real. It's like as a young kid, I questioned, how come the moon isn't falling into the earth? And it didn't make any sense to me that even the human body, well, how does that work? You know, well, how do babies come? Well, you know, two people have sex. Oh, come on, really? You know, well, it's, you know, comes from, kids come from sperm. Well, I mean, get real. I mean, think of the magic of the whole dream. So I always thought about that. And then when I started to play music without ever taking music lessons, I mean, I don't know where that came from, but even Bob Dylan will tell you, we don't write the songs. So some, you know, it's like a channeling thing. It really makes common sense, which is why I I teach this as part of my coaching to people, because they need to know that, you know, what you think is real really kind of isn't. So I always felt like a fish out of water. And when I studied spirituality and then I started to look at science and how the two came together, it just made sense to me. Wow. Now, I mean, I think that is so profound that you say, you know, you're a channel with the music. Do you feel that that like opens up your chakras? Like in some way, do you feel more kind of tuned in allowing the music to be a channel? Well, everything is um, in one way or another a channel but it's like a radio. You need to tune into it. So I was driving in the car the other day and I was, it just dawned on me. I mean, this cancer thing was like six years ago and it just dawned on me. Well, it didn't just dawn on me, but it came back to me again is why with a 70% chance you were going to be dead, which is a big chance. Did you survive? And I realized that it's because of what I do now as as a coach and as a teacher, because that feels right. Making another album, booking another tour, making money, whatever it is, doesn't interest me as much. This interests me because I'm doing me and I'm showing other people what I did in getting my life together, going from, you know, kind of hardly surviving to thriving. Um, So, you need to look at your purpose and your purpose is what moves you. What do you really like? You know, and a lot of of that is right under your nose. You know, a lot of that's just right under your nose. 
you know, look, look around your house or your apartment, you know. Right. Now tell me lastly here in closing, um, some wisdom or guidance, just something powerful you can share with us in closing about uh, finding purpose, leading that purpose-driven life, sustaining joy. Well, the biggest wisdom is what I tell my, my students, my clients, and that is that you need to be aware with mindful awareness of what matters to you, why it matters to you, and to get a plan that you can actually work step by step by step, um, because that is your core. That's who you are. And I believe that you came to this earth to live out loud. <laughs> but you need to make that step. You need to take that step. The people who listen to your, your program, which is a wonderful program, are in tune with what you and I are talking about. But a lot of people aren't making the, you know, making the steps. In other words, they could reach out to me. They could take a course. They could go listen to a lecture on YouTube, but whatever it is, uh, you want to, as a friend of mine says, to go in peace, not in pieces. <laughs> and the way to do that is to know who you are and what you are. And can you just define for us? Uh, I know I said lastly and in closing, but then of course you said something else <laughs> really wonderful. So this in closing, please define for us what is living out loud powerfully? What is that? That is doing what you do. You have an interest in what your program is about, and you figured out a way to get a podcast going, to get this promoted, to get this out to your listeners. You're living your truth. You're living who you are. Um, someone I know, wanted to be a potter, but she didn't have any money for pottery school or the wheels. And I worked with her a while and she really, really, really wanted to be a potter. So I said, well, then you need to do it. And she said, well, I don't have any time. I don't have any money. And I said, those are all excuses. But, you know, a lot of people have fear and fear is false evidence appearing real. That's what it stands for. Mm -hmm. So I said, why don't you go volunteer and see if some teacher will let you in in exchange for cleaning up or opening up and closing. Make a long story short, now she's a potter. She sells her pottery at, at fairs and at, at online, I think, at Etsy. So finding out who you are and living out loud means what matters to you, what's really important to you, and doing it and finding ways to do it. And that, that's part of what I call road mapping. So if you have an interest, Google it, see who's doing the same thing, see how they're doing it, you know. Uh, but you need to know that, that you really wanna do it because there's not gonna be all uphill, you know. It's good. Even with losing weight, you know, when I lost 30 pounds, I lost some, I gained some, I plateaued. I mean, it was a real pain, but I figured out why I was eating, being an ex-emotional eater. And I said, uh, you know, this, this extra 30 pounds could really cause me a lot of illness. And I'm not 
I don't want to do it anymore. So I choose different foods. You know, I know how to cook. And so that's what I do. I live out loud. I walk my talk, you know, to say that you want to do something or that you want to become something. Well, the world's your oyster, you know, but talking about it isn't going to do it. You need to take action and you need someone to be there as your uh, support. You know, all my clients, thankfully, tell me, you know, I'm so glad, Kevin, I have you in my corner because my husband doesn't believe this or my boss, you know, is working against me. And, you know, and so you, you need a champion. But first decide that it's you stepping out into the into the ring. I love it. Awesome. Kevin, that was so amazing. I cannot thank you enough. You were wonderful. I'm going to have links to all your stuff. And um, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I love talking to you. You have a great show. And um, say hi to all your listeners. And if they go to my website, they'll see pictures of Bosco. <laughs> oh, perfect. Awesome. Kevin, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.